Hi there, and welcome back to Out There, a cryptid podcast. I'm your host, Josh. On the 13th of each month, I come out with a new episode focused on a cryptid that I find super fascinating and weird. And if you still don't know what a cryptid is, it is defined as an animal that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. Cryptids don't have to be supernatural or mythical beings, although many of them are. Some cryptids have actually become documented animals. Make sure you go and follow the podcast on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, and check out the posts I make for each episode and send some suggestions you'd like to hear. Well, 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 look who's back. Now, I know what you're saying. Josh, it's been too long. And, well, let me tell you, I agree. But I've been a tad busy in the middle of the ocean for the past couple of months. But while I was gone, we hit some milestones that I was so excited to see. We reached over 1,200 followers on Instagram, which is super amazing. And over 150k listens. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I am endlessly grateful for every one of you. I never imagined that my little idea would turn into this. And I promise you in the next coming months, there will be more episodes and some more surprises along the way. You may have heard in the introduction, but new episodes will now be coming out on the 13th of every month. This is so I have enough time while I'm working to produce episodes and to set it on a schedule that you can all follow. Now, Today's episode is a little different than usual. Some of you have been sending in awesome stories, and I thought this would be a nice way to hold you over until new episodes come out. So, today we are hearing and discussing some listener stories, and I will even tell you about my very own sightings. For the first time in a very long time, let's dive in. This first story was sent in by Amanda at Cottage Crossing XX on Instagram. When I was little, once I woke up at 4am and had an urge to look out my window. I didn't know why, but I felt like I needed to. So I crawled to the end of my bed where my window was, and I saw someone the same height as me, but I couldn't see their face standing by the tree in the front of my yard facing me. I was so scared I backed to my headboard debating whether I run to my mom's room, which I do. She looked out the window, but the figure was gone, obviously. I never saw it again, but I think about that from time to time. Creepy. The first thing that comes to mind is something we haven't talked about yet on the podcast, but definitely will cover at some point. Maybe this figure was your doppelganger. Okay, so here is a basic overview of doppelgangers. It's a German cryptid that translates to double-goer. They are described as an evil twin, so they look exactly like you, which is deceiving to everyone around them. Now, there have been many different sightings of them, even from some very famous people, but we'll save those for the full episode. What you need to know is that the legend says, if you see your doppelganger, it means death. Some say they take over your life. Now, in Amanda's case, it sounds like she did not die. Or did she? This next one was sent in by at Grimoire underscore heart on Instagram. Okay, so I perform the Nutcracker at a high school every year. Several times we've seen ghosts. The first time we were playing hide and seek late at night after most of the other dancers left. A man went running through the halls and into the courtyard, 
but when we went to see who it was, the courtyard doors were locked and nobody was there. That was a few years ago, but about a month ago, when I was performing it again, my brother was walking past one of the classrooms and saw a man in there. He stopped, thinking he didn't hear anyone, so he immediately turned around and looked back in there. The man was gone. You know when I got this story I was excited because it has both of my loves, ghosts and theater. But now this doesn't seem like a malevolent spirit, so that is the good news. But I don't know about you, but a running ghost sounds terrifying, especially during a game of hide-and-go-seek. This is another story sent in on Instagram. This was sent in by Harry at I am Harry Sucklin. Not my stories, but my granddad's. For context, he reckons he's seen aliens all his life. He used to live in a small town in South Australia called Mount Burr, and that place is surrounded in pine forests. He says as a kid, he'd constantly see big gray men peering out from distant trees as he'd walk down paths within the forests. Occasionally at night, he'd see big lights hovering above the town. Anyways, those can't really be proven, but this one always just felt really real to me, mostly because I was only a street away when it happened, though I was only like three or four years old. Basically, he was at home. My grandparents' house is about a block away from our local swimming lake. It was about 8pm in mid-2007. He reckons he was in the front yard moving a hose when all of a sudden he heard a whooshing noise overhead going towards the swimming lake. He looked up and saw a massive triangular silhouette. He tried to focus on it, but he has poor eyesight, so it took a moment. So in his words, I was trying to focus, but the fucking thing was like swirling around like it was one solid thing, but it was made up of like swirling shit. Poetic words, I know. Anyways, after his eyes adjusted for a moment, it flashed bright blue all over, and next morning, he woke up on the couch. First off, I love how we just skipped over the part where he saw gray men looking at him, because that is already crazy. But this second half is really interesting. Now, if you remember from the Niagara Falls Men in Black episode, triangular UFOs are very commonly reported, especially with flashing lights. The most fascinating part of this story, though, is how he remembers seeing the flash of light and then suffering memory loss. It begs the question, did he just forget that he walked himself back into the house? Or did whatever was in that craft put him there? And if they did, was there anything else they did to him? This is a much more recent story sent in on Instagram by Ryan, at SpaceboyRyan. This happened two weeks ago at Loophead Lighthouse on the Loophead Peninsula. It's quite a large tourist attraction, but during the quiet months, it's quite isolated. No trees or bushes for foxes and barn owls to hide in. It was overcast that day, just me and my girlfriend up at the lighthouse. I went around to the back of the lighthouse to check out Lover's Leap, a sea stack known as Diermond and Gronya's Rock in Irish mythology. 
The legend says the mythical Dearmond and Grania were running around Ireland trying to escape from the aging chief Fionn Bacool, who Grania was due to marry and spent a night on this rock. So the place is already steeped in mythology. I heard what I can only describe as a long who. There was no wind, so I could pinpoint it coming from between the cliff and the sea stack, but I wasn't going closer to the edge. It's quite loose underfoot and it's a long way down. So I just got out of there quick. I told my girlfriend and she laughed it off. Back in our hotel that night, I dreamt that someone was standing next to me, holding my hand. Next morning, my girlfriend told me that she was coming back from the bathroom and saw a black mass hunched over me. I checked my phone and it was in the family group chat that my aunt had died in a car crash during that night. As I read that, I got chills. So I don't know about you, but it's not creepy. It's almost touching. You know, there's a place that is beautifully enthralled with this Irish mythology, and then your aunt got to come say goodbye to you before she crossed over. And I think that's something really special. Now, of course, I had to include some Reddit stories here. So, this first one is from four years ago, posted by at World Blender. So this happened to my son when he was 17 years old. We lived in New Mexico at the time. My son Cody was riding along with his friends, Drew and Alex. They were in Drew's truck and Drew was driving. It was night and they were heading to Drew's house. Drew lived out in the country, so the road they were on was isolated and surrounded by desert. In fact, the whole area is flat and mostly dirt. As they're driving along, they see a man standing in the middle of the road. Drew slows down and they all expect the guy to move off to the side. The guy doesn't move, he just stands there. Drew slows to a stop. The guy is standing just outside the light from the headlights. He's wearing jeans and some sort of long sleeve shirt. They couldn't make out the features of the guy's face but they could tell he was facing them. Nobody moves for a few seconds. The kids start to talk about going around him, but aren't sure if they should pass by this guy or turn around and go the other way. Suddenly, suddenly, the guy drops to all fours and starts running towards the truck. All the kids start screaming. Drew slams the truck into reverse and floors it. Now, they're going backward on this dark country road, and this guy is chasing them on all fours, and he's keeping up with the truck. Drew goes faster, and finally the guy drops out of sight. Drew turns the truck around, and they all came back to our house. I was in the living room when they came in, running in, slammed and locked the door, and went tearing up the stairs to Cody's room. I went up to see what was going on, and this is when they told me the story. I've never seen them so pale and frightened. They were completely freaked out. This happened on a Friday night around 8pm. These were kids that normally would rather be anywhere except home on a weekend. That weekend they stayed at our place the whole time. They didn't go out at all, and then only left because they had school on Monday. It took about a month before they wanted to go out again at night. They would go anywhere during the day, but at night, 
they usually gathered at our house. After a little research, they all agreed that it was a skinwalker. Even to this day, if I bring up that night, Cody and his friends will get really quiet and look scared. It took a long time for them to get past it, and they still think that talking about it will make it come back. Okay, I got goosebumps reading that one. You all know how much I love Skinwalker, so of course I had to have a story in here. What I think is interesting about this story is how animalistic this incident was. The good news is that the Skinwalker didn't catch up to the car, because who knows what would have happened. This next one was posted four years ago by at John underscore Thena. It is about your favorite cryptid. Here is mine. It's a copy-paste from one of my previous comments. Just for a better understanding of my surroundings, I'm from Kentucky. Lots of wooded areas and people love their guns, including me. I used to not believe that there was unknown stuff in the woods. I thought maybe Bigfoot maybe could be real, but I severely doubted it. After this happened, I knew there is something unknown out there. I had just bought my first AR-15 style rifle, Rugger AR-556 for anyone who cares, and bought a 60 round drum magazine for it at Gander Mountain while they were going out of business because why the fuck not? Reading up on the drum, I read they were amazing and rarely had any issues at all. This will be important later. A few days after I got it, I finally decided to take it out for the test drive and sight in my gun a little better. Here's where everything went to shit. As I said above, Kentucky is super wooded. Three-fourths of the land I lived on was just thick woods. There was the main path for driving our gator and a few small paths our cows had made in the woods. I decided to walk along our creek that had a small path half cleared by our cows. At the end of the path, is a big field our cows graze in, and where I sight in guns when the cows aren't there. As soon as I crossed the fence to go to the field, I instantly felt like I was being watched closely. I brushed it off because I've walked back there a thousand times before and never been bothered by anything. So I keep walking and ignore the feeling of being watched. But at the same time, I'm aware of the feeling. I know I feel like I'm being watched, but I wasn't giving it any noticeable attention. The walk to the field along the creek is a very short walk, but maybe two minutes at a slow pace. The further I walked, the more intense the feeling got, like I was getting closer to whatever was watching me. About halfway there, the feeling got so intense I couldn't ignore it anymore. The drum magazine I had with me was unloaded, so I stopped and started loading it. I only brought 20 rounds with me because I was just going to sight in my gun and 20 should have been plenty. So now I'm stopped, paying extremely close attention to what's going on around me and loading the magazine. The exact moment I started putting rounds in the drum, I smelled something dead. Like it had been dead for a while and rotting in the sun. I started looking around and right behind me, what was left of a possum? It was torn to pieces. It was almost like it was placed there for me to find. The only thing 
was it looked like it had been dead maybe a day at most, and what I was smelling seemed like it was far more decomposed. This obviously didn't sit well with me, so I double-timed it on the magazine loading. I guess I should have taken the dead possum as the last chance to turn around. I decided to keep going. I had never had any problems back there before, so I assumed my brain was just being paranoid. I was almost to the field when I saw it. It was at the end of the creek, and the feeling of being watched was unbearable. Just as I was near the end of the creek and the edge of the woods, I heard a splash in the water. Me being on edge immediately turned toward the noise, gun ready, but no round in the chamber. Walking down the creek away from me was something I will never forget. At least eight feet tall, probably taller, very skinny. Imagine a grown man that weighs 120 pounds. Now stretch him out to be eight feet tall, but his body width stays the same. Very long arms, and it walked on two legs. Skin stretched tightly across its body. It made no noise aside from the splash when it stepped in the creek while it walked. It also had a very weird walk, almost like a waddle, but taking large steps. But that could have been because it was on a muddy creek bank. It was also a light brown color, almost like the color of a deer. That's all I can remember about it right now. I will edit it later if I remember anything else. Now, I know why I felt like I was being watched. Magazine loaded, bolt, ready to send around in the chamber. Remember what I said about the magazine being extremely reliable? I pressed the bolt, release on the gun, to chamber around just in case the monstrous thing decides to attack. I did not intend on striking first. The round gets stuck somehow and doesn't even budge out of the magazine. I had never used the magazine before, so it didn't fail from heavy use. A bolt closing from a gun was enough force to break your finger, so why didn't this magazine work? My only guess is that the being had something to do with it. The magazine never worked right again, and I had to return it to Magpul. Needless to say, I didn't tell them this happened. I told them the magazine failed several times. Anyway, back to the thing. Gun jammed on the first round, which is usually the easiest. The thing books it out of there without running or making a noise. I had just long enough exposure to it to get the details I provided about it. Now, for assumptions, it happened about late May last year. I still have the emails from Magpul regarding the drum, so I'm using those as a reference because after this I needed something reliable. As for what the creature was, me and a friend who knows more about this stuff than I do have decided it could have been a fucking Windigo. The reason we think Windigo is because everything I described matches them near perfectly. I had read that they are incredibly thin and tall, have a stench of death that follows them everywhere, explains the smell at the possum. Very fast, can be several colors, light brown included, and that they sometimes violently kill other animals to scare humans. Again, the possum. The only thing we couldn't come up with was its behavior. Why am I still alive? Windigos are supposed to be incredibly aggressive. Aside from watching me, it did nothing. It didn't try to attack or confront me. It ran for me like it was scared or trying to draw me where it wanted me. This being said, I have never had another encounter with it. 
I have gone to the same field, taken the same path, expecting to be watched, and have not gotten that feeling of being watched as strongly as that day. Something was out there, and you can't convince me otherwise. I've tried to trick myself into thinking I'm being watched out there, and it still had no comparison between that day. If anyone else here in the comments may have any questions you'd like me to answer, please ask. I just need to talk about it to help get it off my chest. Also, if anyone has any information on what I might have seen or better guess, please tell me. I need to know what is in my woods. Sorry for the novel, but I felt like I needed to include every detail I could cover to be better explain the situation. The little details really bring out how absolutely fucked I could have been. Every little thing just happened to line up to fuck me. Edit. For extra detail, I forgot to add. Tons of Native American presence has been in my area. I find large amounts of flint every year, but the proof that they were here is the arrowheads I find. There is also a trail of tears site less than five miles away from my home, which is possibly origin point for it because I'm sure plenty of them got desperate on that. Of course I put a Wendigo story in here. The Wendigo episode is now the most played episode of the podcast, so this one seems to be everyone's favorite cryptid. And let me tell you, this story is crazy. I mean, imagine being face-to-face -face with a creature that is known for eating humans. But thankfully, everyone made it out in one piece. Now, I can't remember if I have told you all this, but I grew up in a very haunted house. So, I've collected some stories from my sisters to share with you all. Welcome to Our Hell House. This first one is Alyssa's story. We moved into the house when I was six, and immediately we started hearing our typical haunted house sounds, like footsteps, people talking, when you were home alone, doors closing, and even toilets flushing. After a couple of years of having to listen to my siblings and I say that we were scared, my mother decided to look into the history of the house. The only thing she could find was a woman that passed away in the home from cancer. My mother believed what we were hearing was just her moving around the house and living her everyday life on the other side. I believed her, calmed by this fact until I saw him for the first time when I was 17. That night, my sister, who was 22 at the time, was visiting with her new puppy. Because the family was allergic, my parents asked her and the dog to sleep in the room that was an extension on the house because it has its own air system. Freaked out about sleeping in the room alone in a haunted house, I agreed to sleep down there with her for the weekend. It was about 3.30 a.m. I know, the worst time, when I woke up having to pee like a crazy woman. I got out of bed began walking to the bathroom. As I exited the room we were sleeping in, I saw this large shadow man. The outline looked as if he was wearing a long coat and a hat. I immediately was struck with this debilitating sense of dread and I ran back into the room with my sister. I woke up scared shitless and still having to pee a couple hours later. After I saw him, the energy of the house shifted everyone began feeling it. My siblings and I would feel scared in rooms that were totally fine to be in before. The footsteps began walking towards you if you were sitting on the couch. Even starting from upstairs, 
going down the stairs and stopping in front of you when you were home alone. And we began using buddy system at night to travel around the house. I then went off to college and did not spend as much time in the house other than the occasional weekend, holidays, and the summer months. The summer between my junior and senior year of college, I was now 21, I spent a lot of time over at my then boyfriend's, now husband's house. I would often be there late and come home at some ungodly hour that I now cannot fathom being a 95-year-old woman who was in bed by nine. One night, I accidentally fell asleep at my boyfriend's house. Having awoken at 2 a.m. in a panic that my dad is going to be pissed because I still had a curfew if I was living under his roof, and it sure as hell was not 3 a.m., I rushed, grabbing my stuff, and headed home without even saying goodbye. Oops, well, he still married me, so. When I walked into the house, I immediately felt terrified. I began running to the steps, trying to get to my room as fast as I could for the false sense of safety that your bed provides you. When I turned the corner to go up the stairs, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a man sitting on the couch reading a book with the light on. At first, I thought it was my dad and I turned back to ask why he was up so late or receive my punishment on the spot because I was busted. But when I looked back, in that second time, the light was off and there was no one there. I played what I have saw over and over again in my head and remember that the man's shirt was the same material as the couch behind him. He was transparent, but clear enough that I thought it was real out of the corner of my eye. I ran upstairs and called my boyfriend crying. Being the skeptic that he was, he told me it was nothing, and I spent the rest of the night listening to hard, loud footsteps pacing outside my bedroom door all night. Jumping forward to this past summer, I'm now 26. When my husband deployed for the first time, I planned a trip with my nine-month-old daughter and large dog back to this house to spend time with family. On the 20-hour drive up, I began questioning if it was a good idea to bring my daughter to this house after everything I have experienced. But I pushed those thoughts aside at the thought of spending a month with family as opposed to being isolated in Florida. It was the second week into my visit. My father, daughter, and my dog and I were the only ones home. The baby was down for a nap upstairs in my old bedroom and the dog was outside sleeping in the sun, so I took advantage of the time to get some laundry done. Let me preface this by saying that my dad's favorite place in the entire house is outside on the back deck. He drinks an entire bottle of wine, my hero, and reads on his iPad all day until my mom yells for him to come inside. In order to get to the back deck, there is this skinny hallway which has a f door leading into the laundry room. While I was doing laundry, I hear footsteps and saw my dad walk through the hallway as if he was going outside to the back deck. I heard the footsteps, saw a clear figure, and heard the door open and close. Not 30 seconds later, I heard my dad call down from the top of the steps that he was going into his bedroom to take a nap. That feeling of dread shot through my body again. I ran out of the laundry room and looked at the back deck. It was empty and then I ran upstairs and interrogated my father. He said he had been upstairs for the past half an hour and called me crazy and told me to calm down. My father is also a skeptic, got to love an overly rational parent living in a haunted house. 
I know what I saw. A clear figure of a man walked by me. Not transparent, not a shadow, a clear as day figure of a man with details that convinced my brain that it was real enough to be my father. I quickly went to the room my daughter was sleeping in and rocked her in fear of her experiencing anything until she woke up 45 minutes later. When I packed everyone up in the car, I felt a feeling of relief that my daughter was safe and that I was getting out of that house. It is strange having a location that holds the best memories of over 20 years of your life, but also has attached memories of fear and dread. I don't know who this man is. I don't know what he wants other than to scare us. I'm not sure what is going to happen moving forward, but I do know that what I saw was very real and that he is getting stronger and more comfortable showing himself to me. And now for Jenna's story. A couple years ago, my son, who is five now, broke his leg in a scooter accident. It was a year from that day, so I was anxious about him potentially getting hurt again. Although I have thought about what bad things could possibly happen in any given space, as mothers often do, I have never visualized it before. That weekend, we were staying at my mom and dad's house, which has been haunted since we lived there. While I was putting him to bed, I kept thinking about how he might fall down the stairs when he came looking for us in the middle of the night. After he fell asleep, I walked down the steps to join the rest of the family when I had a vision of my son laying at the bottom of the steps, motionless. Fearful of the vision and the thoughts that I was having when I went back to bed, I blocked the majority of the opening of the top of the steps with a large, tall hamper that stays in the hallway. While I was sleeping that night in a different room, I heard the sound of footsteps moving quickly around downstairs. I then heard loud crying. However, the crying was not in the next room where I put him to bed. It sounded like it was further away. In a panic, I jumped out of bed and headed out of the room to discover that my son was at the bottom of the stairs, standing facing the living room, crying. The living room was always the place where my siblings and I felt uncomfortable. We refused to go in there at night, and here is my son in the middle of the night crying while staring in that same room in the pitch dark. I quickly ran down and grabbed my son, taking him back to the room with me to sleep. Since he is only four, I did not want to scare him, but I did bring it up in casual conversation a couple of days later to try to figure out what actually happened. No mom wants to think that a ghost was in contact with her child, so I was hoping he would reveal something that proved it was just imagination. Sadly, that was not the case. I asked him what caused him to go downstairs that night. He said he woke up and heard voices. Thinking that the family was awake, he went out of his room and into the upstairs hallway to investigate. When he got out there, he said that he heard voices that sounded like grandma-like words, but they were really quiet and all messed up. Let me pause and say that his grandma was not even in the house that night. She was in New York City visiting my brother. After hearing the voice, he looked up and saw a shadow on the wall. I have never told him anything about the shadows we have all seen in the house. He brought up the word shadow all by himself, which put chills throughout my body. He then said he went downstairs looking for his grandma and the rest of the family, and when he got down there, he faced the room and since it was dark, he started crying. When I asked him what he heard coming from that room, he said, 
shake, 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 and then started moving his mouth around and making whisper noises that sounded like growling. He also mentioned that he was running in circles around the house, but could not tell me why. But I think those were the footsteps I was hearing before I heard him crying. As a mother, I now have a four-year-old explaining things that I myself have experienced. I cannot help but to think this ghost is using my son to get to me, which makes me furious. I also now have a son that is afraid of everything around him. I am not sure at this point if I would take him back to that house. Now, my story is nowhere near as frightening as my sister's, but I have to say, while reading their stories, I started crying in both, and I'm not sure if you could hear it, but I was overcome with emotion. Emotion of fear and emotion of sadness, because we have all experienced this for a very long time. Before I go into my story, and I guess I'm ruining it now, activity has ceased at the house. I've been back for a couple months now, and I have felt absolutely nothing. Penny hasn't seen anything either. So, we're taking solace in that, for now. Anyway, here's my story. My childhood home is very haunted and creepy. Always was and always will be. There was one spirit in particular that I want to share a story about. This is truly just one of many instances in my house, but this one has always stuck out with me. Here's the layout of the room. So, I'm sitting on the couch and to my right are windows. To my left is another couch, and behind that is a hallway where a huge mirror is hanging on the wall. I'm watching TV, and I have a strange feeling that when I look out the window, I'm going to see something. The gut feeling where you know you're about to see something, but you still have to look. So, I looked, and in the reflection, I could see a woman walk through the hallway. I even saw her reflection in the mirror, and I knew I was the only one home, so of course I slowly turned to see what I saw, but there was nothing there. Now for the man of the house. The first time I saw him in that room, the living room, where he was just a shadow figure. The other time I didn't see him, but when I was a kid I was playing with my toys in the back room. All of a sudden, the light bulb from the fan above me fell and shattered all over me. Now, this isn't abnormal, because things like this happen. The thing about this one, though, was that I was not sitting under the light. So, for this light bulb to burst over me, it must have made a diagonal pattern in the air. As you can see, we were all affected by this spirit. It seems like he was much harder on my sisters than me. We haven't been given any answers when it comes to who the spirit is, but hopefully one day we'll get a medium in the house to give us some more clarification. But until then, we'll all just have to live together somewhat in harmony. So, what do you think? Are ghosts, aliens, skinwalkers, doppelgangers, windigos, and UFOs really out there? We are on Instagram, at OutThereCryptid, so make sure to follow us and tell us all of your thoughts on the cryptids we cover and what you'd like to hear next. It would mean a lot to us if you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It's a great way for others to find the podcast and enjoy, just like you.
This episode was written and hosted by me, Josh, with logo design by Jason Zykes and theme music from purpleplanet.com.